as I looked at the little waif-like face across from me, I was filled with pure rage. If I could have punched someone in the nose, as much of a pacifist as I am, I just might have done it, and they would have deserved it. Some people shouldn't have dogs, let alone kids. The thought rattled noisily in the back of my head as I kept my poker face firmly in place. What could I do to convince this kid that her life was worth something? That the people who'd abused her, used her, neglected her and abandoned her were just plain wrong? That sweet little face, just crushed by the way she'd been treated. She was dislocated from her body and her emotions. She was imprisoned by the trauma that had been visited upon her. I could see the cage around her, created by her absolute belief that nobody could understand and nobody could like her because she was weird, different, and especially because she was broken. But she'd found a soft place to fall, a mentor who brought her to me, and I had the keys to help her unlock the prison. So that's what we did. I'm Anne-Marie, the Soulful Therapist. There are natural, gentle ways to heal, discover yourself and find meaning in the world. Let me introduce you to them. I'm a psychotherapist, past life therapist, clinical hypnotherapist, master knitter, Reiki master, teacher, author and seer. I specialise in trauma, helping young people, and spiritual development. Shall we begin? Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode describes my work with a young person who suffered severe sexual child abuse. It's now many years later. She's okay. And she has bravely and graciously given me permission to share her story in the hopes that others with similar experiences find healing through these words. Child sexual abuse is a difficult topic for us to consider, and while we are more aware than ever before, the reported statistics are still unacceptable. Whenever I sit in a group, I count out one in three and know that someone is probably suffering in silence. Commonly, I make time afterwards to listen so that healing may begin. I used to tell my students, as hard as it is for us to hear about child abuse, how much more difficult is it to live through it? I believe that we owe it to our friends and family, to our community and our children to be well-educated, less vulnerable to mistruths and help where we can. But don't substitute my judgment for your own. You know yourself best, so turn off now if that's what's best for you. Please take good care of yourself. If you are disturbed by the episode today, please reach out to your GP or local mental health crisis service. In Australia, you can contact Lifeline online or on the phone. And if you're thinking about suicide, please seek help immediately. Call 13 11 14. Kids Helpline is 1800 55 1800. And Q Life is open from 3 o'clock until midnight on 1800 184 527. If you or someone close to you is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple zero. 
If you believe a child is in danger, don't wait. Seek advice from the Child Abuse Report Line on 13 14 78 or call your local police station. I've been working with people for 30 years. I have 1,100 graduates across multiple human services qualifications and many more clients, and I remember you. I bump into you in the supermarket, and I recognise your voice. I attend a networking meeting and I see your face. Sometimes I remember your name straight away. Sometimes I can't place exactly where I know you from, but we work it out. And when you tell me how well you're doing and introduce me to your family, it's just wonderful. I'm so proud of you. And sometimes you're not doing so well. Sometimes you've made poor choices through ignorance or perversity. Sometimes you have willfully thrown yourself into trouble. Sometimes life has been harsh and you've been caught out by things you could not have anticipated. Sometimes you blame yourself and sometimes you hold yourself accountable. Sometimes you suffer. Sometimes you track me down. And when you stand up to be counted and reach out for better, I am so proud of you. This episode today is to remind someone very special that I remember her, I am proud of her, and to thank her. The work we did together so many years ago to unlock that prison was way bigger than us. As a result of our work together, my little wife found the next step on the ladder of life. I found new and different ways to work with people. We tried many keys. Some worked. Many didn't. Often I would send her back out into the world and pray the universe would keep her safe. Over the years I've thought of her often and prayed she is healthy and well and being treated kindly. And the biggest thing she taught me is that even when my toolkit is empty, people will hang on to life if you just love them through it, if you simply care. Because I couldn't give up on her, I learned to keep searching. I learned to try things that weren't mainstream and weren't personality-based. In a lot of ways, she is responsible for this podcast. And when I became a youth work lecturer, I taught this creative, stubborn mindset to my students. This is her legacy. Youth workers who are better prepared to care for kids like she was. Beautiful kids with huge potential who've been kicked around by people who deserve a punch in the nose. It was a miracle she was sitting with me. She had declined help from many others, but sitting with me, a tiny flicker of hope burned within her because I was weird. Because I wasn't only a counsellor, I also taught Reiki. We began at the beginning. I introduced myself. I described what I could do and what I couldn't. I told her how confidentiality has limits. And when someone could be hurt, including her, or a child was at risk, then I would disclose and seek help. I asked for her permission to begin, and she nodded. What would you like to talk about? Silence. Where are you now in your life? Where would you like to be? 
more silence, and then I saw it. Her little chin dropped, her eyes turned inward, and I saw her rehearsing the words in her head and valiantly trying to speak. The words would not come. I can't say that. I'll say this, I can't say that either. I'm so stupid, why can't I speak? I'll say this, no, I can't say that either. No one will believe me. I'm so stupid, so stupid, so stupid. And down the rabbit hole she went, one big sucking spiral of trauma-imposed silence. My little waif had selective mutism. There was no way she could speak the words, even if she tried, and she tried. And this is where her instincts had been correct. Talking therapies were never going to help her, and in fact, quite the reverse, her innate wisdom had kept her safe from further trauma induced by therapy. And I could work with that. There is a lot we could do without even talking about it. And the first thing to do was to tell her, I can see you. You are not invisible. I see you. I know what's happening in your head. And her eyes snapped up to meet mine in complete amazement. I could see her thinking, how can she possibly know? And so I told her word for word the litany scrolling through her head. And it wasn't magic. Is that it? She nodded numbly, eyes downcast. It's called selective mutism. You're not crazy. It's a symptom of trauma. You really can't talk about it. So we won't. How about if I talk and you listen? How about that? And her shoulders slumped with relief. Her eyes filled with tears and she nodded again. Okay. There are things you need to know. You're being caught out by some false assumptions. By myths that some people believe but aren't true. As a child, you adopted certain ways of thinking and being that helped you survive until you could be grown up enough to sort out what happened and to heal it. That's not something to blame yourself for. That's actually really smart. How do I know this? Because you're not the only one. Because everyone who comes through my office feels and thinks the same way. Because as a child, there are pre-programmed default ways to survive child abuse. Should we look at the myths? She nodded. Okay. The first one is, children lie about child sexual abuse. This is false. In my experience, children are more likely to keep the secret and not tell anybody for years. This myth is perpetuated by child abuse perpetrators as a means to deflect and defend themselves from accusations and retain access to children. You are not a liar. The second one is, children are responsible for child abuse. They ask for it. They didn't say no. They made a decision that put them in that situation. She looked at me with miserable, numb eyes. Well, you aren't responsible. Let's think about this logically for a minute. Do you know any little people about the age you were when the abuse began? Yeah. 
Can you trick them? Can you use sleight of hand to convince them that a toy has disappeared? Do they know how you did it? No, they don't. They're little people. Their brains aren't through growing yet. Can you keep things out of their awareness? Can you tell them stories they believe? Of course, they're little people. Child sex offenders spend hours a day working strategies to groom people and other strategies to get access to children. So they can trick adults. So how, as a little person, could you not be deceived? She tilted her head a little to one side, really listening now. Perhaps it was worth it to believe me. The third myth. It's not sexual abuse if children don't complain about it, say no, or are sexually aroused by it. But children are groomed, just as adults are. The offender may be a family member or much loved. Children can be intimidated by threats to pets and parents, or shocked, or caught out by an experience outside of the normal. Sometimes they're really, really worried that this loved person with this terrible behaviour is actually going to go to jail. And sexual arousal just means that a child is physiologically normal. We don't magically become sexual beings at 14. It is innate. It's how our bodies work. And once again, perpetrators use this natural tendency to create confusion for a child and encourage their silence. It's how they steal children's voices. There's a really sad myth, and it breaks my heart, that children can keep siblings safe by agreeing to sexual abuse. I am so sorry if this has happened to you, but this is also false. Most likely, if they're abusing you, they're also abusing your siblings. There's another myth that is one of the greatest fears of child sexual assault survivors, where if you've been abused, then it's a very short step to becoming an abuser yourself. This is false. There are a number of preconditions to someone becoming a child abuse perpetrator. One of them is that the abuse has been normalised. It's become normal. And there's a number of other key criteria. If you've been abused, you don't automatically become an abuser. Most child abuse survivors I know of are actually wonderful parents and fabulous advocates for children. And the last myth I want to talk about, that the perpetrator's behaviour is excusable because they're a victim. A victim of their own impulses, a victim of a wife's neglect, a victim of intoxication, drug and alcohol use, or any other excuse. All of these are wrong. Adults choose. Adults are answerable for their actions. You can love someone and have empathy for them and label their behaviour as toxic and destructive. You can and should take steps to look after yourself, keep yourself safe. And we can work together to work out what these steps look like. So now there are just three things I want you to remember. Just these three. Write them down if you need to. Count with me. One. The abuse was something that was done to you. It's not who you are. You really are worthy of good things, 
happy experiences, and kind, respectful relationships. Everyone is, and that includes you. Two, don't take permanent action over temporary suffering, even when it sucks big time. Life will get better, so don't throw it away. Hold on to your courage. Reach out for help when you need it. You are worth it. Even if you don't believe it yet, I'm telling you it's true. You are worth it. You are not a bother. So don't take permanent action over temporary suffering. And three, life is about learning. And that's the attitude that will get you through and help you in time to help others. As Oprah says, turn your wounds into wisdom. And in the meantime, I'm here for you. So repeat after me. One, the abuse was something that was done to you, not who you are. Two, don't take permanent action over temporary suffering. And three, life is about learning. And she met my eyes, daring to believe. And that's when the work really began. Child sexual abuse survivors often feel broken. There is a centuries-old Japanese art of fixing broken pottery, and forgive me for my Japanese, kintsugi. I'm hoping that's the correct pronunciation. It may not be. In any case, the broken pottery is fixed with a special lacquer dusted with powdered gold or silver or platinum, and the pottery is way more valuable after it's broken and repaired. And so in this tradition, I want to share with you the story that I shared with my little waif and all the other child abuse survivors and families who found me. An elderly Chinese woman had two large pots. Each hung on the ends of a pole, which she carried across her neck. One of the pots had a crack in it, while the other pot was perfect. The perfect pot always delivered a full portion of water. However, at the end of the long walk from the stream to the house, the cracked pot arrived, only half full. For a full two years this went on daily, with the woman bringing home only one and a half pots of water. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments, but the poor little cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfection and miserable it could only do half of what it had been made to do. After two years of what it perceived to be bitter failure, it spoke to the woman. I'm ashamed of myself because this little crack in my side causes water to leak all the way back to your house. And the old woman smiled. Did you notice that there are flowers on your side of the path? And not on the other pot's side. And that's because I have always known about your floor, so I planted flower seeds on your side of the path. And every day when we walk back, you water them. And so for two years, I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate the table. And without you being just the way you are, 
there would not be this beauty to grace the house. I would also like to share with you a poem, and it was written by Virginia Satir, a pioneer in family therapy, in answer to a 15-year-old girl's question, how can I prepare myself for a fulfilling life? And this is another one of those things that I would share often uh, with clients. So please share this with anyone you feel needs it. When we share things like that, these are the random acts of kindness that often save lives. So it's called My Declaration of Self-Esteem. I am me. In all the world, there is no one else exactly like me. There are people who have some parts like me, but no one adds up exactly like me. Therefore, everything that comes out of me is authentically mine, because I alone choose it. I own everything about me. My body, including everything it does. My mind, including all of my thoughts and ideas. My eyes, including the images of all they behold. My feelings, whatever they may be. Anger, joy, frustration, love, disappointment, excitement. My mouth and all the words that come out of it. Polite, sweet and rough, correct or incorrect, my voice loud and soft, all of my actions, whether they be to others or myself. I own my fantasies, my dreams, my hopes, my fears. I own all of my triumphs and successes, all of my failures and mistakes. Because I own all of me, I can become intimately acquainted with me, in all my parts. I can love me and be friendly with me in all my parts. I can then make it possible for all of me to work in my best interests. I know there are aspects about me that puzzle me and other aspects that I don't know. But as long as I'm friendly and loving to myself, I can courageously and hopefully look for the solutions to the puzzles and for ways to find out more about me. However I look and sound, whatever I say and do, and whatever I think and feel at any given moment in time, is me. This is authentic, and represents where I am at that moment in time. When I later review how I looked and sounded, what I said and did, and how I thought and felt, some parts may turn out to be unfitting. I can discard that which is unfitting, keep that which proved fitting, and invent something new for that which I discarded. I can see, hear, feel, think, say, and do. I have the tools to survive, to be close to others, to be productive, to make sense and order out of the world of people and things outside of me. I own me, and therefore I can engineer me. I am me, and I am okay. I love getting questions, and I need more of them. You can record your questions on your smartphone and email them to me at Anne at annemariemcglasson.com. I'll do my best to answer questions every week. So after last week's episode, The Shame in the Wardrobe, we did have a couple of people reach out and ask, 
what sorts of people does Stephanie help? Someone who is plus size, who unfortunately has been thrown out of shops because there's nothing in here your size, asked Stephanie, would you help someone like me? And the answer is yes. Stephanie's actually rather horrified that people get thrown out of shops um, and so she can be that person that can provide the intermediary, find those beautiful pieces that are just going to make you look and feel wonderful. The other query we had was from the LGBTQI community. Um, Will Stephanie help? Yes, yes, she will. Um, She has had queries from people who are really struggling with, you know, self-expression and clothes and how to make that work. And and she's very, very ready and happy to throw the doors wide open uh, and give you the benefit of her skills and experience. So there you go, open door people. Uh, If you think that you need her, pick up the phone, contact her through Facebook or her website. You'll find all those connections in the show notes. You can always support the show if you'd like at Patreon. This is how it all comes together. So if you've got questions, uh, you can always contact me directly. I'm now doing video chats so we can spend that time together if you'd like. The website is annemariemclassen.com. If you do Google the Soulful Therapist, if you scroll a little bit, you will find that website just in case you can't spell my name. So thanks very much for your time today. Stay subscribed and we'll talk soon. See you next time.